Good evening. It's good to be here, isn't it? I say that quite a lot when I'm at the front, just so you know the answer. It's not a rhetorical question. <laughs> Thank you guys for leading us in worship. Not only are you annoyingly musically talented, <laughs> but you play with the Spirit of God. Thank you. 1984, Bristol, Ashton Gate was my time. A fresh-faced 13-year-old kid who had been churched all his life but hated Sunday school. God has a sense of humour that I do now what I do. I went to Sunday school from age whatever on a Sunday afternoon to a non-denominational mission hall. And I hated every second of it. I went from maybe the age of three or four to twelve when a friend said, why did you come to the Baptist church? We've got girls there. (laughs) God moves in mysterious ways. He uses all things. And I went and Billy Graham was doing uh, one of his rallies in Mission England. And I went and we were sat in the terraces the days before seats in football stadiums and we were right at the back on the stone steps. And Billy Graham (coughs) does his thing as he used to do. And he makes that altar call. And I remember two friends got up and and went forward and they walked maybe 20 yards down the steps and they turned round and one of them looked at me and said, are you coming? And it felt as if time stopped still in that moment. Because I didn't want to go because he had asked me. I wanted to go because God had called me. And I went forward and I gave my life to Christ. And my dad worked nights as well and I said to him the following day, I became a Christian last night. His response was, I thought you already were. <laughs> Which I thought was quite a nice response, actually. Not that long later, he died. Three months after his death, I'm lying in my bedroom. My minister was running a, what they called a baptismal preparation class. I can't find that in scripture, but anyway, that's what they, an eight-week course. But anyway, and I'd be mulling it over. I'm lying in my bedroom, a small box room, 26 Micey Kellin, Griffithstown, Pontypool, Gwent. NP45DG. Funny how things stick with you. I can't remember what I had for tea yesterday, but I can remember that. And all of a sudden, my whole bedroom was filled with light. So much so that I opened my curtains to see what was shining in from the outside, and there was nothing. Just completely flooded with a bright light. 
Never happened before and never happened since. And in that moment, I heard God say, get baptised. I ran downstairs, burst into the living room. My mum looked startled. I told her, three months after her husband, my dad, had died. And with tears streaming down our faces, we were dancing around the living room, hugging each other. A long road since then has taken place. Times of being so close to God, I could reach out and, and visit, feel that I could physically touch him. And times where I doubted his existence. Yet that moment will always be, will never be taken away. So in our darkest times, go back to those moments where we felt so close and allow those moments to galvanize us and to make us realize that yeah, God's not gone anywhere. We have, but he's not gone anywhere. That's my story. And I'm a preacher, so it was longer than 30 seconds. But I want to read Psalm 23 to us. I want us to, I'm going to read it as a reflection. And I'll read a line or a few lines and then we'll pause and I'll say a few words, not many. But I just want to, us to allow this psalm to not just penetrate our minds, but to penetrate our hearts as well. You will know the psalm, and that's sometimes the problem, isn't it? We know it too well. Well, imagine we're coming to this psalm for the first time ever. And the beauty and the, the gold that is in this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's a great line. Maybe tonight you feel, you feel stretched. Uh, stretched emotionally, uh, physically, uh, maybe spiritually. But God promises his provision and so we lack nothing I don't know about you but most moments of every day I feel that I lack things but God promises that I lack nothing he makes me lie down in green pastures he leaves me beside still waters 26 Micey Kellyn, Griffiths Town, Pontypool Grant, MP4, 5DG, was on a hill. Because it's South Wales. Everything's on a hill. And I saw a photo on Facebook of somebody that used to be a member of my home church. Today I saw it, this afternoon. And she lived, and still does, on the street that I grew up. 
and she had a photo in her living room of the back of her dog looking out. And I could just see through the houses opposite her the mountain. I lived on a mountain. Within 20 seconds, I was up the mountain. We spent whole summers up the mountain. We'd go over the skew fields and there was a canal and there was streams and brooks. So he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. I have a visible thought of what that might be. And those sunny summer Welsh days, there were few. We had a drought as well in 76. We are lying on the grass and the hill of the mountain. Or you're in the ferns. Or you're just breathing in the fresh air. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Friends, allow God to lead you. You know, we've recently finished a, a sermon series talking about eliminating hurry from our lives. And God wants to lead you to a place of stillness in your life. But he doesn't force. He doesn't push. You have to choose to follow. He restores my soul. Friends, tonight as we come around the bread and the cup, will you allow God to restore, to refresh your soul? I wonder if you come here this evening and you just know that for whatever reason, maybe a multitude of reasons, you need to be refreshed and renewed. God wants to do that in your life tonight. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you know, when we don't know what the right thing to do is, God will show it to us. But we have to, again, choose that path. And sometimes that means standing out from the crowd. That's difficult. But when we do that, the name of God is honoured. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. If you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I used to dislike that part of the psalm. I disliked it because in 1985, it's what I can remember from my dad's funeral. And the minister, a lovely guy, my home minister, but he said it with a, a deep Welsh voice that had gravitas. And almost theatre, as even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And that's the phrase that stuck in my brain for years. But as I got older, I realised the reason I fear no evil is because you, the living God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You know, you or, or someone you know going through a tough time. God says that with him in our lives we do not need to live in fear. No matter what the circumstances. God's staff is a place of rescue. You know, shepherds would lean on a staff to, to rest. Or they'd, they'd lean on it to help them walk. And so God's staff helps us walk through tough circumstances. A staff was also used to gently guide the sheep where the shepherd wanted them to go. So with his staff, God gently and lovingly guides us. Now the rod, the rod was used by shepherds as a tool of protection to fend off wild animals from from devouring the sheep. So even though life may be tough, God uses his rod to protect you. But also the rod was used to count their sheep. The shepherd would put the rod out and as the sheep went under, they would count them. He wanted to make sure none were lost. Friends, God wants to make sure you are never lost. And so his rod ensures this. Know that God counts you as valuable and loved. He will always keep looking for you to make sure you are there. So that is why we read his, his rod and staff offer this amazing comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. A a feast is something someone does for those he, he welcomes and honours. God does this for you and your enemies, those who would be against you, they, they watch from the outside. They're not invited. They, they don't get a seat at the table. They don't partake of all the deliciousness. And because of this, we are in the Lord's presence always. It may only be Gluten-free bread and juice tonight. But friends, this is a feast prepared for us. They're an expression of all that this psalm promises. And so as we eat and drink, we allow the promises of this psalm to wash over us. Just close your eyes a minute going to read this psalm again from a different translation and allow the difference in the words to speak powerfully to your heart and your mind. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. He tracks me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the right path and 
leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honour to his name. Even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me. For you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. So why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterwards, when my life is through, I return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Thank you. Amen. Let's stand and sing this together. Today's a, a day of remembering. It's Mother's Day, Mothering Sunday, and I, in, if you would just indulge me, is a, a photo of my mum and my nan. There they are. Mildred and Olwyn, horrible names. <laughs> my sister named her eldest middle name is Mildred, I think. Social services should have been called myself. <laughs> with Kezia, we went with Millie. Knowing my, my mum hated Millie, but I wasn't naming my child Mildred at all. Alwyn, a little bit better because it's Welsh, but still not a great name. When you think of Mildred, what's the first thing you think of? Georgia Mildred. <laughs> but my dad's name was Ronald. And then you think of MacDonald. So I was doomed, really. 24 years ago, Today, she was seriously ill in hospital with acute myeloid leukaemia. She never came out of hospital and she died two months later. But she was a great mum. She, she wasn't someone who was the life and soul of the party. That was my dad's job. She wasn't someone who was particularly humorous or funny. But she was steadfast. She forced me and my sister to go to Sunday school and I thank God for that. She was dependable. She was honest. She invested her life looking after me and my sister and my dad. And today I thank God that she was my mum. And I remember and my nan as well. But I think, no offence if you were nan, but Commercialism has extended from mums to nans to sisters to aunties to everybody now, isn't it? But, yeah, they were, they were great women. Great women. And I am who I am today because of both of them, even if their names were Mildred and Alwyn. My niece, my middle niece, was, was born on the same day that my mum was born. March the 10th. And this week, just gone, 
my cousin's son's wife had a baby on March the 10th. And my uncle, my mum's brother, phoned me to say, we've got another one on March the 10th, so it's not now just a sad day. It's a good day. Today is a day when we remember our mothers, our, our mother or home churches, women everywhere. It includes our spiritual mothers, mothers, women who have played a special part in our lives. And as we remember, we give thanks to God for them. But tonight we come with a, a different kind of remembering. For this evening, we remember Jesus. And specifically, the sacrifice he made for us and, and why he made this sacrifice so that we can be saved, we can be reconciled to God. And it's in God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit that we remind ourselves that we find all that we need. For the Father's love was so great that he sent his Son Jesus, who also loved us so much, showed us what love for the Father truly meant that he allowed, he he gave up his life for you and me. And today, we experience this overwhelming love through the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to live life to the full. It enables us to come here tonight and to remember and to give thanks with this meal. We read from 1 Corinthians 11, familiar words, for I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we remember Jesus. In order to really remember someone properly, you've, you, you have to know that person. I showed you the photo of my mum and my nan because I really knew them and today I remember them. So it is with this supper and Jesus. The supper is, is all about Jesus. We remember who he is, the, the Son of God. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We remember what he did it, his coming into the world and living among us. We remember his wonderful teaching and perfect life. We remember that he suffered in our place on the cross and what he achieved for us. We remember his death and then resurrection. We remember all these things at this supper. So we remember. And we obey Jesus. Jesus said, do this. It's a command. It's a command that has come from a heart of love and our obedient response comes from a heart of love. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. When you think about it, it's really the least we can do for Jesus when we reflect upon what he's done for us. We obey Jesus. And as we come around this meal, we join with Jesus. In Revelation, we're told how Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And anyone hearing and opening the door, Jesus says, I will come in and eat with him and, and he with me. That becomes very much part of what happens at 
this table. We enjoy the friendship, the fellowship, and we join and we share with Jesus. He communicates his love to us through the Spirit. We also join with each other at the table. We're all family as we share and pass and take. Remember that Jesus loves the person beside me, behind me, in front of me so much that he gave his life for them as well. Even when we don't think they deserve it. But he did. We join with Jesus. And then we thank with Jesus. We thank Jesus. Many mothers today say, thank you. The gifts of people and cards and flowers. I've never seen so many people come out of a garage with flowers today. As I was driving home. They're saying thank you to their mothers for what they've done. But many mothers today have said thank you for theatre tickets or for flowers or for chocolates. Some said thank you for jewellery. Others said thank you for a new jumper. Some said thank you for a handmade card that looked awful but it's on the fridge tonight and in pride of place and her heart is full of love. Tonight we thank Jesus for the sacrifice he had made. Tonight we are thanking God for the gift of eternal life and we dedicate ourselves to live out this thankful heart in how we live and serve him. Friends, as you eat bread and drink the juice, you are thanking Jesus. But we're witnesses for Jesus as well. Taking the bread and wine is making a powerful statement. We're told, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, until he comes. We're speaking it out. Every time you sit at the table, you're, you're saying by being there, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Saviour. We sometimes talk about people making a, a statement when they may do something very notable. Well, every person who's coming to this table tonight is making a powerful statement. Indeed, it's a very powerful reason as to why every Christian ought to be at the table. By not going to the table, a person is hiding what Christ has done for them. So we witness for Jesus. And finally, we expect Jesus. My wife said to me the other day, wait, we need to put something, some things in the diary that you can look forward to. I didn't think I was being particularly grumpy that day, but there's nothing wrong with what she was saying. It's good, isn't it, to have things to look forward to. A meal out, a holiday, an afternoon on your own to watch whatever you want to watch on the TV without the kids there. Or is that just me? A nice walk with friends. Uh, maybe something more extravagant, a new car that's arriving. The day you get your keys to your new house. We could go on, but we all like to have things and events that we're looking forward to. This bread... And this cup trumps the most extravagant thing we ever look forward to. It makes a, a new house pale into insignificance of what this means. Because there is something so awesomely wonderful that we look forward to when we take bread and we drink from the cup. For there is a day that is coming when we won't be seeing Jesus through the symbols of bread and wine with the eye of faith, but seeing him as he is. The table has time 
our time meeting with eternity. Because we're reminded when we eat and drink that it is until he comes. Wow. That beats a new house. Until he comes. So every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, it takes us a step closer to the return of the Lord. And the church, we continue celebrating, remembering, giving thanks until he returns. So as we sit at the table, we look back to what Christ has done for us and we look forward to his coming again. And so here tonight, we remember Jesus. We obey Jesus. We join with Jesus. We thank Jesus. We witness for Jesus. And we expect Jesus. Let's allow these things Stick into our hearts and minds as we worship.